may be seated. In our prayer time today, I want us to pray for our church. Specifically, I want us to pray for the year of 2021, a year of recovering from a pandemic and learning how to do things that we have done for years in certain ways, as well as the ministry of our church. If you remember last week, I issued you a challenge to think about what it means to be a stewardship of your time in the days that you have here. And so I want us to pray specifically for how we as a member of this body of believers are going to respond to the call that Christ has placed on our lives in 2021. What is it going to look like to manage our time, to manage our resources, and to manage our personal relationship with Jesus? So would you join me as we pray this morning? Father God, we thank you that you are a God that we can come to and we can pray to. We thank you are a God that we can intercede on behalf of others and you hear our prayers. God, we know that even when we turn away and when we fall short of who you have called us to be, you are still faithful to us. And God, each moment that we return to you, you are waiting to take us back. Lord, as we think about what it means to be disciples of Christ, we understand that it is a day-by-day journey. That each day we will discover an area of our life that we have not given you control over. And each day we will discover the way that you are calling us to a deeper and deeper understanding of you as our creator and our Lord. So God, as we think about next year and what it looks like in ministry, may we not only think about what it would look like for our church as a whole faith community, but for each one of us as individuals. How will we respond to what Jesus Christ has done in our lives? May we be people of deep commitment and deep love for you and for the message of salvation. May we be people who are passionate about carrying that message to the world around us, that our actions and that our words would speak life into other people and not just life to make it through the day, but the life that you offer for eternity. God, help us to remember that you have called us to be people of prayer as we remember the example that Jesus set for us when he prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's week three of our stewardship series, and uh, I still have yet to have anybody take me up on that free offer of bringing the deed to your house and the title to your car and your checking account and letting us figure out your, your budget for you as well as your weekly allowance so that the church can have the maximum of your giving. Um, and again, if you hear me say that, you surely know that I'm kidding, but that is often what people think of when the preacher gets up to talk about money. But as I have shared with you over the past couple of weeks, while I am definitely concerned about money and while I want us to understand the biblical concept of money and what it means to be a steward financially, what I want us to look at in reality is the deeper source of where our understanding of giving comes from, where our deeper source of what stewardship is. 
And I've shared with you the past couple of weeks a passage from Matthew 6 where Jesus tells those that are listening that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you cannot serve two masters. You can either serve money or you can serve God, but you can't serve both of them because you will inevitably end up hating one or the other. We live in a society and in a world that tells us that money is the key to everything. If you want to be happy, you have to have money. If you want to be secure, you have to have money. If you want to be heard, you have to have money. If you want to be influential, you have to have money. But yet we see throughout the pages of Scripture that God tells us the exact opposite. In fact, He would talk about the love of money would be the root of all evil. And so for this year, for our stewardship series and our stewardship campaign, I wanted us to look at the heart by which the giving happens. If you will remember last week, we talked about our time and how we manage the time that we give and the understanding of our days. Stewardship moves beyond finances to the things of how we prioritize our day, to the way that we prioritize our words and the conversations we have. And I told you that over this next year and in the years to follow, you're going to be asked to give of that time, to teach a class, to uh, sit in a class and to help assist with teachers to come up during a day of the week and spend time in prayer for the church and the ministries and the things that we have going on. But for you to begin now thinking about how you are going to respond to what Jesus Christ has done in your life for the year to come. So today, what I want us to talk about is the heart of the understanding of what biblical stewardship is, and that is how we spend our time and our priorities before God. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 for you. This is out of a psalm that David wrote when he was talking about the glory of the king. He was filled with the wonder and the majesty of God. And so he wrote this psalm in response to share God's goodness. And this is what he realized. He would say in verse 1, The earth and everything in it. Everything in the world and all its inhabitants belong to the Lord, for He is the one who laid the foundation on the seas, and He established it on the rivers. So the very first understanding that we have to have about what it means to be a biblical steward is the realization that God is the owner of every single thing. If we believe that God is the creator who spoke creation into existence, who ordered the things of nature and who spoke life into the animals, into humanity, then we have to realize that as the creator, God is also the owner. He is the one that ordains all things that happen. He is the one that is in control of all things. And we know that there is no authority in heaven or under heaven that can even come close to matching His. And so as a a biblical steward, we have to realize that if God is the owner of our life, then it is going to require a changing in the way that we think and a way that we reason that is going to differ drastically from the world's. People who are truly devoted to Jesus Christ believe that they are to take the resources that they are given, their lives, and everything that they have and use them to meet the needs of others. 
Now, I know that that seems like a kind of extreme statement to where I would tell you that all of your time and everything that you have is meant to be uh, given for the need of others. But what I want you to hear in that statement is that with a life in Christ, there comes a newness of character. And if that character is new and given life according to what Jesus Christ has done, then the things that used to be of that person are no longer there. And so the priorities of that old person have to change in order to match up to this new life that Jesus is saying. And so when we think about what it means to be giving our time, to be giving our resources, to meet the needs of other persons, sometimes that does mean physical, sometimes that does mean financial, it's tangible things. But in reality, what we understand is that the need that every person has is the need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. If we truly understand what Jesus did for us on the cross that day, if we truly believe and are convinced that he rose from the dead and he conquered death, not just in this life, but for all eternity, then our lives have to become about that purpose and that purpose alone. And with that understanding, we know that no matter what we have, our number one goal is to share the message of Jesus Christ with other people. So we have learned through the life of Christ that God has had a purpose from the very beginning for humanity. That was to experience community and to pour out His blessings upon them. But when sin came into creation and tore everything up and messed everything up, it set humanity on a path where we began to think that everything in our life is about us. Where we are number one, we are the number one priority, we are the number one concern. But yet we know that through the life of Jesus Christ that God has had one purpose ever since sin has entered creation and that is to redeem what sin had messed up and what sin had broken. And so it is our job to join in with the work of redeeming what sin has done and to reverse the consequences that it has um, that it has. Uh, put on people's lives. And our stewardship, a biblical understanding of stewardship, is a direct reflection of that thanksgiving and understanding in our hearts. I want you to hear that, that our understanding of biblical stewardship is a direct reflection of what is in our hearts. If our hearts are aligned with Jesus, if our hearts are truly convinced, then we're going to be about the work of Jesus and how we manage our time. Each day when we wake up and we go about scheduling our day and prioritizing the things that we have to get accomplished, Jesus is going to be the top of our list. If we go to the bank, where's Jesus going to fit into that scenario? If we go to the grocery store, how is Jesus going to go with us to the grocery store? What is that going to look like? And that sounds a little extreme, I know, but what it does is it plays into the conversations that we have, the interactions with people that we have, the very image that shines from us as other people see us, and then also with the things that we have. When we think about all the things that God has blessed us with, we're going to think, how does Jesus fit in this equation? If Jesus died on the cross and gave me life, And conquered death and undid something in me that I could not undo for myself. How am I going to respond with thanksgiving and gratefulness for what he has done? But in the American church we have a problem. We have to be sure that we are not coming to God. And that our giving is not done with an ungrateful heart. And when I say an ungrateful heart meaning that. 
we're living for the image that other people see in us. But in reality, our relationship with Jesus is not the center and the focus of what we do. We have a bad problem in America of selling what is called fire insurance in the church. Where we tell people that if they would pray a prayer, if they would do something that we can see, that we can measure, then everything is good between them and Jesus. And then we fail to show them that when they step out the doors of the church, that they are to become a new creation. And sadly, many of the people in our churches give God the time that He desires on Sunday mornings for an hour, or Wednesday nights for an hour, and then they live the rest of their week just like the rest of the world. And if we truly believe what Jesus Christ has done, then we cannot afford to live our lives this way. Keith Green in the 1970s, one of the greatest worship singers ever. I believe he's going to be uh, leading worship in heaven one day. And he, he's kind of out there on the musical scale. Dude was a genius. And he, he sang this song and he said, To obey is better than sacrifice. And he's writing a song from the person of God, from the voice of God, talking to creation to help them understand the life of thanksgiving that they are to be living. And he says that if you obey... That is better than your giving. That is better than the sacrifice that you do in, in order to give. He said, because I don't need your money. I don't need your money, but what I want is you. I want your life. I want your relationship. I want to experience community with you. And I want you to experience community with me. And so throughout Scripture, when Jesus talks about money, when we hear money being spoken, what we learn is that money is the gateway to stealing our affections, to stealing our attention from God, the very one thing that we need to be giving our attention to. And we live in a society that completely um, buys into that and flourishes on that understanding that money is the number one thing. But God desires our obedience over our sacrifice because in our obedience, when we are obedient to the things that God has said, when we read God's word and we are obedient to the things of God, what we do is we are able to identify the things that God has called sin. If you remember when Paul was teaching the Romans, he talked about the importance of the law and why it was necessary that we had the law so that we could identify sin. And that is a great thing that God has given us the ability to identify sin in our lives. We know that the number one characteristic about God is His holiness. Everything else about who God is and what God's intentions are, are based on His holiness. And we know that anything that is of sin, anything that is not of God, it's not anything necessarily malicious or ill-intended or violent, It is anything that is not intended of God in the presence of a holy God will experience death. Because we know that there's only one thing that sin pays out, correct? The wages of sin is nothing more than death. But in our obedience, when we follow the things of God and when we trust God and when we listen to what God says and we make that who we are, we are able to identify what sin is in our life. When we are obedient to God, we realize how sin has convoluted the order of creation and the relationship between humanity and God. And when I say convoluted, sin's number one goal is to steal our priorities away from God. Sin doesn't want us to know who God is. 
Sin doesn't want us to understand the blessings and the life that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ of trusting that what he did on the cross was for our good. Sin doesn't want us to know that. So if it takes our attention, if it takes our commitment, if it takes our priorities to where we are focused more on that instead of on who Jesus Christ is and what he has done in our lives, then we will no longer pay attention or seek after the one who gave us life. And when we're obedient to the things of God, we discover that Christ, not only in our saving, has saved us from sin, but he has called us. To come along and to be a part of the journey of redeeming creation. So God actually takes us and lifts us up to a place where we are used to speak the same words that Jesus spoke. The words that bring life. The words that bring joy and hope and peace. But if we're not obedient to the things of God. And if we get mixed up with the things of the world versus the things of God. We we can't see the plan that God has for each one of us. Matthew chapter 5, or 25, 23, I did this earlier too, I put the wrong passage in there. Matthew chapter 23, I want you to hear verse 14. My bookmark fell out. Matthew 23, I am so sorry. Jesus is, is writing to the people. And he says, Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to even go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you devour the widows' houses, and you make long prayers just for show. This is why you will receive the harsher punishment. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you travel over the land and sea to make one convert, and then when he becomes one... You make him twice as fit for hell as you are. Woe to you, you blind guides, whoever who say take whoever takes on an oath by the temple it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by this oath. You are considered as blind fools. When Jesus is speaking these words, he's speaking to the religious elite. He is speaking to the leader leaders of God's people in that day. And the message that he has for them is not you're doing great, you're doing wonderful, you're doing awesome. But what he is doing is he is saying you have become more about tradition and you have become more about serving the image that is expected of you than you have become about understanding the one who has come to give you life. And he compares the oath that they have, is it on the empty things and the image of what seems real or is it on the image of what was given for us, the sacrifice that was given for us. And so as believers, we have to realize that how we manage what God gives us is a direct reflection of what our relationship is based off of, what our confession and our repentance is based off of. And stewardship is not something that is meant to be understood in concept only, meaning we know what it means to give 10%. We've heard the term cheerful giver and we know that's somebody that gives back to the Lord, but it's meant to be embraced with our hearts. As an understanding that we have realized that God has first given us life. Secondly, has redeemed us back to the community that our sin once took away from us. 
And then the fact that God has called us and equipped us and blessed us to go out and to do that for the rest of the world. And if we have true faith in Christ and we're truly convinced of what Jesus did, then we must not only turn control of all that we have over to God, but we must understand that we are called to be a people of repentance. When we repent, we no longer live the way that we once were. We no longer live with the understanding that we once had. And yet when the world tells us to go this way, to believe this way, to think this way, to strive for these things, we understand that because of Jesus Christ, we have a different set of goals. We have a different way of living. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, in view of what God has done for you, I urge you to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy Pleasing to God, for this is your true act of worship. To obey, to live as a sacrifice. My um, quote in the yearbook when I graduated high school was, The difference between a ham and egg breakfast is the difference between involved and committed. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. You see what that means? The chicken sacrificed an egg. It gave to the breakfast... But there's only one thing that turned into bacon. And it can't turn back into a pig after that. And our walk with Christ is a lot like that. We can choose to be involved in the things that God is doing. We can choose to be involved in the things that Christ has offered. Or we can realize that God has called us to be committed fully. And the reason that we are called to be committed fully is because Jesus calls us to make a genuine decision of total surrender. You see, God doesn't share his alliances with anything else on the earth. God doesn't make deals with how he's going to judge sin or how he's going to handle sin. And here's why he can't do that. He cannot make deals with the things that he allows in our lives that are not of him because sin doesn't make deals. Sin is not able to offer us life. Sin is not able to offer us a free pass. Because the only thing that sin pays out, again, is death. And so God, if He is going to be a just God and He is going to judge according to the law that He has given and according to the holiness which is the foundation of His character, then we must be fully committed in the same way. You see, Jesus died fully for us on the cross. To forgive all of our sins. To redeem us completely in the eyes of God the Father. And so in the same way we must respond fully. To live into that life and to the commitment that Jesus has called us to do. Biblical stewardship is the understanding that our goal is to grow in our faith. We were created for community. To experience blessing. And if we are to be stewards of the time that God has given us. We understand that we are called to grow in our faith and to understand God's character as we surrender to the purpose that God has. And we do this by realizing and understanding that God is the owner of all things. And when we understand this, we realize that with giving God all things, we are freed to do the things that God has originally planned for us to do. And so we know that this life of true and convinced faith will undoubtedly involve sacrifice. The world will tell us that you need the next new car. 
The world will tell us that you need the next new boat, that you need that third house, that you need to have $8 million in savings by the time that you retire if you want to live comfortably. But we know that God takes care of the sparrows of the sky, that God clothes the flowers of the field. And we know that all things that God does in the life of his people are for their good. That God is the provider, that God is the sustainer, that God has said multiple times that if you will trust me in little, I will bless you in much. And so when the world tells us to live a certain way, we live because we realize that life is about God. That life is about Jesus, it's not about stuff because we're living for something that is not here temporarily that is not on this earth for a time but yet we live for treasures that are stored up in heaven we understand that what we are living for and working for is in heaven in a place where it will always be and it will always grow and we know that god won't share our allegiances or our commitments with anything you remember the story of elijah and the prophet baal or the the god baal that we had just learned about God didn't like the fact that Israel was sharing their commitment, was sharing their love with another false god, with something that was self, self-serving. If you remember in Matthew chapter 6, again, where God or Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money because you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. So as we think about biblical stewardship, as we think about living in the fullness and in the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for us 100% on the cross. 100% taking our place. 100% redeeming us in the eyes of God. And 100% making us a new creation. We have to ask ourselves, each and every moment, are we trying to share the allegiance, the priority and the commitment that we have for God? Are we trying to share that with something else that seems to be a little bit more in our control? Such as our luxuries, our resources, our understanding and idea of security. Or perhaps the way that our society sees us. Do we share the things that should be God's with the things that are of temporary value? Is there something perhaps that has captivated our priorities to where we become like the scribes and Pharisees? Where we look perfect on the outside, but yet on the inside we're blind to the things that God is wanting to do in our lives. We're blind to the way that God has called us to establish an oath on the, on the sacrifice of Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, and I want to challenge you to think. As we consider biblical stewardship, as we think about money, as we think about each day that we're given life, as we think about the story that Jesus has played in each of our lives? Do we reflect a life of thanksgiving? A life that has been truly convinced of what Jesus Christ has done? Or do we reflect a life that is based on the image that is expected of us? Because when you give yourself 100% to God, and when you commit yourself 100% to the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, then God will reveal to you things that you could never imagine. Then God will show you blessings that you never could experience. You know, your understanding of stewardship may require you to teach a class 
for children or youth in the upcoming year. And the first time you go, you're going to be worn out when you're done. And the second week when you go back, it won't be as bad, but you knew at least what was going on. And the third week you go back, you're going to realize that those kids know your name. And the fourth week you go back, you'll realize that you know their names. And then the next week you're telling them something that Jesus has done in your life. You see, that's what biblical stewardship is. Is realizing that through Jesus Christ we have been given the chance for the community that God originally intended for us. That we are saying no to the priorities and the things of the world. And we are saying that we are going to allow these things to be secondary so that Jesus Christ can always be primary in our focus and in our faith. Would you join me as I pray? Father God, we thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for each day that we have life. Each morning when we open our eyes and we breathe in that first breath of the day, I thank you that Jesus Christ is there. That what he did for us on the cross not only covers the ways that we have failed the day before, but yet we know that it will go before us. And that it will redeem little by little the things that sin has broken. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to have a part in what you were doing in this earth. God, we know that all things have been messed up by sin. We know that the way of thinking of humanity has fallen so far from what you had hoped it would be. But you gave your son Jesus Christ, who would take our place, who would redeem us in our standing with you, and God, who would allow us to be a part of his work in the world. So God, as your people, as we think about what it means to be disciples, as we think about what it means to be stewards, God, we pray that Jesus would become our number one priority. That telling people what has been done in our lives, what was done on the cross, what happened that Easter morning would become the story of our existence. And that everything that we have would be used for that purpose. God, we thank you for your spirit that goes with us. We rejoice again in the name of your son. In your name we pray. Amen.